Good evening. Welcome to our second attempt here at Grace Covenant Church with a, to have a virtual ser service during this time of uncertainty. We're still working out uh, the bugs of the technology, but um, how exciting is it that though we can't be together in person, we can still be together here uh, in spirit. Um, before we get started, uh, thank you to all the people who filled out uh, or responded to Clay's questions about last week's uh, attempt at this. Uh, hopefully we, we learned some things uh, and we'll be able to do this um, well tonight. Um, we're going to do another service like last week. It is a service of uh, scripture and prayers. Uh, once again, I will not be singing any solos for you, uh, but I will be uh, using words uh, from some, uh, some hymns uh, in order to help us um, as we worship this evening. Be watching out this coming week. Um, I have set up an account with Zoom, and the intention is to attempt... A, a virtual prayer meeting this coming week where we will have a virtual space uh, I will be able to send out a link and you will be able to click on that link uh, and come and we can all come together um, in a room where we will be able to hear and see one another uh, and pray together so even though once again we can't pray together uh, in person we will be able to pray together uh, virtually. So continue to be in prayer for us um, as we continue to try to uh, follow God's lead and, and how to uh, shepherd you um, as his church uh, during this very uh, intriguing and difficult time. Well, let's begin uh, this evening. Since we are meeting together in the evening, we are going to begin with Psalm 134. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Even though we are meeting together virtually through uh, the computer this evening, by nature of our union with Christ, beloved, we are always those who are raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And so we are gathered this evening as the people of God in the house of our Lord. And so as we begin this service, set your heart and mind on these words from the hymn, With Grateful Heart, my, uh, with grateful heart my Thanks I Bring. With grateful heart my thanks I bring, before the great your praise I sing. I worship you, I worship in your holy place, and praise you for your truth and grace. For truth and grace together shine in your most holy word divine. I cried to you, and you did save. Your word of grace new courage gave. The kings of earth shall thank you, Lord, for they have heard your wondrous word. Yea, they shall come with songs of praise, for great and glorious are your ways. 
O Lord enthroned in glory bright, you reign above in heavenly height. The proud in vain your favor seek, but you have mercy for the meek. Through trouble though my pathway be, you will revive and strengthen me. You will stretch forth your mighty arm to save me when my foes alarm. The work you have for me begun shall by your grace be fully done. Your mercy shall forever be. O Lord, my maker, think on me. Let's pray. O Heavenly Father, and glorious Son, and ever-present Holy Spirit, we praise you as our triune God. And with grateful hearts we do come before you this evening, not only for the pleasure and the privilege of setting our hearts and minds on you, but in knowing that through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you are setting your heart and mind on us as well. And so help us as your people this evening, Lord, though we are separated in the body, to be joined together in spirit as we have this shared life and love and mission in Jesus Christ with you, Heavenly Father and Holy Spirit. We pray and ask for your mercy. We pray and ask that you uh, would be present with us in this different media uh, medium. And yet, Lord, we know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Bless us this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this evening comes from Genesis chapter 15. Last week, we looked at Genesis 9 and the covenant that God made with Noah and creation. Uh, this evening we begin with the covenant that God made with Abraham. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted to his counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young person, a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down to the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years.
but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Our New Testament reading this evening comes to us from Hebrews 11, verse 6, and then verses 8 through 16. God's word reads, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Beloved, as we come before God this evening, we are reminded of this covenant that he has made with his people to give us an inheritance, an eternal inheritance, and to provide for himself an eternal inheritance of sons and daughters. And yet... It is often that we forget the realities of this promise. We think that this world is our home, and we forget that we are strangers and aliens here. And we forget that our true home is a heavenly one, and that as we walk through this life, we do so with faith, looking to, the, to that world that is to come, the home that is to come when our Savior returns in, in the fullness of his glory. And so let us take a few moments this evening, and we're going to confess our sins. We're going to remember what it is for us to have forgotten these heavenly realities 
and how easy it is for us to get caught up defining ourselves and therefore even defining our faith by the, by the things, by even the struggles that take place within this world which is passing away. Pray silently uh, and then in a moment um, I will um, confess sins for us together. Let us pray together. Almighty and most merciful Father, you have blessed us in ways that we could never recount totally and completely. You have given us one of the best blessings that we could ever receive, and that is you as our God, you as our shield, you as our great reward. But we confess this evening, Lord, how infrequently we think of you that way. How infrequently we see you as our reward. You tell us that if we see you as our reward that we will walk by faith, but so often, Lord, we struggle by walking by sight. And so forgive us for losing sight of these amazing promises and the heavenly ultimate realities that you have given to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy upon us, Lord. Help us to repent of these sins and to set our minds on the things above where Christ is seated and where we are seated with him by faith. Restore those who are penitent this evening and help us as your people, not only as individuals, but as a people, to rededicate our lives, our time, our treasures, and our talents, even during this strange period of social distancing. Father, may that be dedicated to you, to your glory, and to loving our neighbor as ourselves. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let us be reminded of the work of Jesus Christ for us. In John 10, we read, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of, all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. The figure of speech Jesus used with them 
This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who, come, who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Beloved, our Heavenly Father has given us a shepherd so that we do not have to pilgrim through this weary land as those without a leader, as those without direction. And He is there to help refocus us time after time after time when we are tempted to set our eyes on the things of this world and to think that what it means to be a part of God's kingdom is to set up a kingdom here on earth. But beloved, we are called to sojourn through this earth into the eternal kingdom that will come in the fullness of our shepherd Jesus Christ. And so as we continue to try to follow Jesus Christ by faith, as we uh, strive to plug our ears and not listen to the competing voices for our allegiance, but only set our ears on hearing the voice of our Savior. Be renewed in the gospel of Jesus Christ this evening and be refreshed in the assurance of faith and the confidence that you can have in the pardon of Jesus Christ. For Jesus says to you this evening, My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Beloved, there is nothing that can snatch you out of the hands of Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father not sin, and certainly not a disease. And so let us focus our hearts again on this amazing salvation we have in Jesus Christ as we reflect on the words of the, of the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Set your minds and hearts on these realities this evening. How deep the Father's love for us 
how vast, beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. Beloved, this is the good news that we have in Jesus Christ. It is his faithfulness to his Father. It is his love to us that guarantees for us that though we continue to wander as sheep, even though we continue to get distracted by the golden apples of this world, we have a Savior who will not let us stray away completely, and we have a champion who has laid down his life for us in order that we may receive his life as those crucified and raised with him. Well, this evening I want us to take a few moments, and we are going to do a short meditation on Psalm 77. In this psalm you will see several themes that we have already discussed um, in the passages that we have looked at already. And so let us give our attention to Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will answer me, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has the steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he, in anger, shut up his compassion? Then I said, 
I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What good? What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your mighty your might among his peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let's pray. O oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We, th we thank you that you have not left us in the dark, that you have not left us to ourselves. But you have spoken, and you have acted, and you have explained, and you have given us everything we need in, for life and godliness in Jesus Christ. You have given us everything that we need for comfort and, con and consolidation. Or for comfort and consolation in times such as these. So Lord, speak to us in a fresh way, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but Christy and the girls and I once again participated in the um, live stream service of Briarwood PCA in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, this morning, and in the, in that service, uh, there was an excellent sermon that pointed us as Christians going through crisis to be reoriented once again to a proper perspective of the of the crisis and a proper understanding that all of this is happening under this multifaceted, complex providence of God. We looked at the life of Joseph to, to show uh, this reality and the way that God was weaving together so many different things in so many different ways for lots of smaller purposes that together can be, be brought together to, to reveal this beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. It is true that when we go through a crisis like we are experiencing right now with this coronavirus pandemic that we need to have our hearts and minds reoriented to the reality of God's providence and his sovereignty, to be reoriented to the all-powerful God that has chosen us as his people, that has made all things and is overseeing all things, and that there is nothing that takes him by surprise. But it is also important for us 
not to utilize these amazing truths like God's providence and sovereignty and to think that therefore because God is all-powerful and because God is accomplishing everything according to his will that doesn't mean that when bad things happen that when the crisis comes it doesn't mean that we are to respond to that with no emotion it doesn't mean that the truth of God's providence makes us robots that are called to just accept what is happening in the world as being uh, under the hand of God and so therefore there is nothing to be worried about and that therefore there is nothing to be emotional about. Now what am I saying here? What I'm saying is precisely because God is providential and God is sovereign and is working all things out according to his eternal purposes and because there is the reality of crises in this life since the fall and there will continue to be crises until Jesus comes again what it means for us is that there is a proper emotional response yes one that is to be guided theologically for sure one that is to be guided by the realities of God's providence and his sovereignty but God's providence and sovereignty does not mean that there is not a proper negative emotional response to a crisis right now we are living uh, for those of us who are alive right now in unprecedented times we know that other generations have dealt with pandemics we know that other generations have faced things like the plague and uh, and different uh, forms of disease that have run rampant at special periods and in, and in, uh, um, in, in horrific ways but for us this is unprecedented we find ourselves living with a lot of a lot more uncertainties than what we typically think we are living with though we do not want to respond with fear though we don't want to respond by making light of the situation and though we don't want to respond uh, by trying to uh, to just go about things as if they were normal what we want to do beloved is allow the realities that we are facing that we are witnessing in an unprecedented way to experience these things in the book of Psalms we we have many different types of Psalms that the Lord has given to us these Holy Spirit inspired words that God has given to us so that we can express the full range of emotions that exist in the human experience and to express them back to God in a godly fashion to be godly doesn't mean that we no longer experience emotions to be godly doesn't mean that we only experience positive emotions to be godly is to allow all of our emotions to be experienced and then for us to follow those emotions to God himself emotions are not bad emotions are not negative 
uh, although in the reform world that tends to uh, be the, the opinion. I don't know how many times in counseling when I've been meeting with someone, they'll say, well, I feel da-da-da-da-da, and then they stop and they apologize for saying, well, I mean, I think, not I feel. The reality is, beloved, we have feelings. And God wants us to, to follow those feelings back to him. And, and so he gives us, through his word, these types of psalms that are called laments. In fact, of all the different types of psalms that exist in the Psalter, there are more lament psalms than any other kind of psalm. A lament psalm is a psalm in which God gives us Holy Holy Spirit-inspired words for us to lift our plaint to God for us to complain to him, for, for us to raise to him the negative experiences that, that we have and to cry out for help. When we look at Psalm 77, that is exactly the type of psalm that we are looking at. It is a psalm of lament, where the psalmist is crying out to the Lord in a passionate and emotional way. His, he is described as, as being in a day of trouble, and, and, and in the night he is stretched out without wearying. And that he is so emotionally distraught by what is going on that he has even reached this point of not even looking to be comforted or consoled. He wants answers. He wants God to act. Many believe that because there are so many uh, similar uh, things here in Psalm 77 to what you find in Habakkuk 3, many believe that the same situation is motivating the psalmist as what Habakkuk is dealing with in his prophecy. What we know is that Habakkuk is part of the southern kingdom, and they have broken the covenant with God through idolatry, and so um, the, the nation has become very sinful and wicked in its idolatry. The powerful are taking advantage of the weak. Those who are called to lead God's people are instead using God's people and fleecing God's people. The result is that there is a lack of justice. There is a lack of mercy. And Habakkuk cries out to the Lord, asking the Lord, are you going to allow this kind of situation to go on forever? And God gives him a response that he could not have anticipated. He says, you're right, Habakkuk, it is time for me to act. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring in an even more wicked people to come in as my arm of judgment to deal with the sin, the wickedness, and the idolatry among my people. Now, this was unheard of for Habakkuk. I mean, as bad as the Israelites had become, surely they they have to be better than the, the Babylonians. And yet, that's what God has told him. God is going to bring in the Babylonians and to use them to judge his people. And so the whole prophecy of Habakkuk is Habakkuk trying to come to grips 
with not only the sin that he is experiencing in his everyday life, but the answer that he is seeing from God. And the result for Habakkuk is he is brokenhearted because for him it is as if God has decided to no longer be faithful to the covenant. It's as if God has decided to no longer love his people. It is as if God has decided that all the great things that he said before and all the great things that he did for his people before have now been made null and void. Part of the distress that we see in the psalmist here is a similar distress. Wondering if the past deeds of the Lord are now made null and void. Asking himself, will the Lord spurn forever? Will we never again receive his favor? Has his covenant love ceased forever? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Are we going to lose the land forever? The problem for Habakkuk is that the promises of God were always, as the writer of Hebrews reminds us, heavenly realities. These ultimate realities that were not tied to this fallen world, but were tied to a world that was yet to come. Because his hope had been tied to this world, when this world was shaken, he was shaken. Because his hope had become tied to the things of this earth, when things were falling apart all around him, he began to fall apart emotionally and spiritually. And beloved, if we're honest, we can do the same thing. We can forget that the promises that have been made yes and, and amen in Jesus Christ are promises that will reach their final and ultimate fulfillment, not in this sinful world, but in a renewed world that is yet to come. It can be very easy for us to think that our hope and our lives are tied to the things that are going on around us here. And when things all of a sudden get shaken up, and when the normal goes away, and when the challenges come, what can happen is we can be shaken at our core, not just simply about the, the, the negative experience of, as, of what is happening, but we can be shaken to the core of our very spiritual selves in thinking that somehow what God has promised is now in jeopardy. Beloved, what is interesting here in this psalm is it is not only the, the struggle of his day that has led the psalmist to lie awake and to not be able to sleep as he is crying out to God. It is also the past faithfulness of the Lord and the lack of experiencing that at the current time that is leading the psalmist to struggle. Many of us, as we are trying to deal with the daily challenges um, that have come to us with the coronavirus, 
as we are trying to deal with the daily news reports of the continued ascending numbers of those who are contracting the disease. As we're starting to get more and more reports of people in our congregation that know people that have family and loved ones that have been exposed or have been around people who have been exposed and are now at this period where they are just waiting, having to wait and having to see if something comes of that in the life of their loved one or even in their own life, if they have been near those who were exposed. This waiting can be made all the more difficult when we think back on the good times, when we think back on those, those days in which our, our Christian walk was not marked by struggle, when our Christian walk was characterized by a more attentive awareness uh, to, to the, the victory of Jesus Christ and the presence of God in our circumstances. But beloved, just as remembering those things can make our present experience even more difficult, notice that for the psalmist here in Psalm 77, it is in the recounting of those things that it not only leads him to lie awake because of the lack of experience of them right now, it then becomes the very hope that he needs to continue to press forward by faith. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder your work and I will meditate on your mighty deeds. It can be so difficult for us when we have lived or experienced the victorious Christian life in the past and then to go through these trials that seem to render that past experience as something of a distant past and yet it is in recounting the faithful presence of the Lord in the life of his people and in the life of our faith that becomes the very encouragement that we need to keep pressing forward. And so the psalmist here recounts that mighty coming of the Lord when he came and he redeemed his people out of bondage and slavery in Egypt, where he provides this powerful description of God's presence with his people, that God's presence was so mighty as that presence was there standing between his people and the Egyptian army as the waters there of the Red Sea were still in the pathway when they were in the way of the people of God to be able to escape from the threat that they were under. We are told that it is God in his presence and in the power of that presence that led his people through the path of the great waters by causing those waters to be afraid and to tremble and to move out of the way of God's mighty presence. And we know the story that as God's presence 
went before his people as the waters of the Red Sea were divided. The people walked safely through on dry ground and they were uh, they were redeemed out of bondage and slavery and they were freed from from the their enemy that was had encroached upon them and was scaring them. It was through the waters that we see the pathway of the Lord in this mighty display of his presence. And yet, at the end of this description of the presence of God, there is this strange description. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet, your footprints were unseen. How often is that the reality for us? That God's presence is with us. God's leading is going before us. God's guiding is keeping us on our way. Even though his presence is masked in absence. His presence is there. He is leading. Yet we don't see the footprints. We don't actually see the, the, the markers of that presence. Instead, we are left at these different times of struggle feeling as if God is absent when in reality He is there and He is leading and He is guiding. For the people of Israel, He led them through Moses and Aaron. And for us, He, has, he is leading us through a greater shepherd and that is his son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus takes upon himself this description as the good shepherd, he does so knowing the history, the redemptive history of the people of God, and knowing that special role that Moses and Aaron served as shepherding God's people out of danger and shepherding them into the promised land, towards the promised land. And what we have in Jesus Christ, beloved, is a shepherd that so far, that can so far outwork and outlead Moses and Aaron by protecting us, not simply from dangers that are within this world, but can protect us from spiritual dangers like sin, like death. He can protect us and he keeps us. And though we still struggle with the realities of sin in this world, even the realities of sin like a disease in the coronavirus, the reality is it cannot stop the shepherding work of Jesus Christ. And though some of our loved ones are getting sick, and though some of them may even perish, though some of us may still get sick, and though some of us may even perish, the reality is we are only losing a world that is passing away. We can never lose the world that is to come. And so, beloved, as we continue to wrestle with this reality, this disease, this, this manifestation of sin and death, do so in the full courage of the shepherding, guiding care of your heavenly Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And though you do not see his footprints walking in front of you right now, we are told that he has blailed, he has, he has blazed a trailway of faith where we are following behind him, being swept up in the, in the train of his robes of righteousness to be brought into his eternal inheritance forevermore. Beloved, allow yourself to experience the pain of this situation. Allow yourself to experience the, the negative emotions of, of what is happening all around us. And yet allow those to lead you to the mighty work of God that though we do not see him, we know that his presence has gone before us and there is nothing that can stand in his way and certainly not ours. Let's pray. Oh, what an amazing salvation you have for us, Lord. A salvation where you have come near to us. A salvation where you have given us a high priest in Jesus Christ who understands our weakness, who understands our frailties, who understands what it, what it is to live in this sinful and fallen world, what it is to look around and to see disease and to see people being riddled by it and to be moved by it, Lord. How many times in the Gospels do we read of our Savior in seeing the, the sick and the lame and the weakest of society being brought to him, are we told that his heart would break? Even at the death of his friend, Lazarus. And we know that Jesus believed in the resurrection, and we know Jesus believed in your sovereignty and in your providence. And yet even at the death of his friend whom he knew would be raised, he wept. And so, Lord, help us as your people to follow our Savior, not robotically, and not to use your truth as, as a reason not to feel but instead help us, Lord, to feel in the depths of our being what is going on around us. Lord, if we don't feel it ourselves, how can we shed tears with those who are crying? If we don't feel it ourselves, how can we empathize with those who are hurting? If we don't feel it and sense it ourselves, Lord, how can we manifest a heavenly high priest who understands their experience? Oh Lord, help us not to use theology as an excuse to escape what is happening, but instead to be rooted in the courage that we need to face it as those who walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we tend to minimize situations like this so that we can respond to them in the strength of our own flesh. 
And instead, Lord, help us to be vulnerable enough to experience these things in the depths of our being so that we can get to that point of of being so aware that we are out of control that we will then look to you as the one who is completely in control. Lord, help your providence and your your sovereignty to be realities that we embrace by faith so that we can walk in the courage of knowing that nothing in this world can take away from us the heavenly realities that we have inherited in Jesus Christ. And that therefore we can be a people who serve as an aroma of the heavenly places to those who are right now, Lord, struggling with sin and death and disease. Lord, help us to to be a prayerful people. Help us to, to pray, Lord, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. That grace would would so empower your people that we would mourn as those who have hope rather than trivializing and 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 coping through humor lord help us not to minimize and but help us also not to not to panic help us to walk by faith knowing that we are aliens and strangers here that can offer to those who are residents here, the hope of the world to come. And so, Father, help us to experience in the depths of our emotions what is happening, but not so that we would lose hope and not that we would lose courage and not that we would try to buck ourselves up and pull ourselves up by our own own uh, bootstraps, but that we would allow these emotions to lead us to your throne of grace, to drink deeply from that grace that flows freely from that throne in order to go forth as a satisfied, quenched people into the desert surrounding in which we are living and ministering. Lord, we pray not only for this church, but we pray for all the churches and all the missionaries throughout the world that are struggling with dealing with this disease. We pray for all of those that have uh, been attempting a virtual witness. We ask that you would bless the technology and that you would, through this technology, provide pathways for your gospel into lands that have been cut off. We pray, Lord, uh, for the missionaries as they continue to deal with um, this sickness and disease, but they do so apart from West, uh, for many of them, apart from Western medicine, apart from the technological advances that we are blessed with here. Father, we pray for the sick, and we ask that you would comfort them in this time, that for believers who are sick, that they would face this with the courage of Christ, to see this as an opportunity to bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that it can provide to any who will turn from their sin and embrace Christ as their Savior and Lord. For those, Lord, who have become sick and are not believers, Lord, we ask that you would provide them comfort, but that you would also provide them someone that could speak a word of hope to them, and that this could be the opportunity, that this could be the time in which you draw them to yourself, 
Father, we pray that you would stop the sickness. We pray that this disease would would, uh, find its boundaries and that it would grow no more and that we would start to see the number of cases declining. Lord, we especially pray for Italy and the health care system there as it has been completely overwhelmed and overcome. And doctors are having to make these, these incredibly difficult decisions as they watch many of their patients around them gasping for breath that they will never get. Father, we pray for the medical professionals that are on the front lines of this. We pray for the doctors and the nurses. Uh, We pray for the the first uh, uh, responders who find themselves directly in the midst of this disease. Protect them, Lord. Help them to sleep and help them to be able to eat and help them to have clear minds to continue to serve well. We pray for the medical personnel who are not on the front lines, the ones uh, who are in the labs studying and looking to find some kind of, of cure. Lord, we pray that you would make their attempts successful and that through medicine, Lord, you would exercise your providence and sovereignty over this disease. Father, we pray for the governing officials and ask you to continue to give them wisdom and to give them the courage to lead well, to lead not in a way that gives in to panic, but also leads in a way that they don't minimize the realities that are before us. Father, we pray that this would be a time for, especially within America, for politicians to set aside their petty differences, to set aside their desires for, for, the, for fame and for a good name and for re-election, and that they would be able to truly work together as a unified group of humans who are faced with a very human issue. But Lord, we pray in all of these things, praying for those here at, uh, praying for those here at Grace Covenant and for all, all of your people throughout the world, asking you to comfort them with a presence that is mighty and strong, even though it looks as if it's absence, because we are led by footsteps unseen. Lord, may this grant us the courage to keep pressing forward, to keep listening to the voice of our Savior, and to follow after him. And so, Lord, hear our prayers as we pray through the mediation of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and as we pray as those, as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved, as we come to the end of this service, once again, set the affections of your hearts on these words from the hymn, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us. For our use, thy folds prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought, hast bought us, thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus. 
thou hast bought us, thine we are. We are thine, do thou befriend us, be the guardian of our way. Keep thy flock, from sin defend us, seek us when we go astray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, O oh, hear us when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, O oh, hear us when we pray. Thou hast promised to receive us, poor and sinful though we be. Thou hast mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse and power to free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn to thee. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn to thee. Early let us seek thy favor, early let us do thy will. Blessed Lord and only Savior, with thy love our bosoms fill. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Well, let us renew the profession of our faith as the people of God this Sunday evening as we prepare to go back out into the world, practicing social distancing, and yet finding ways to serve and to love God and our neighbors. Let us use the words of Habakkuk 3, verses 17 through 19, as a statement of our faith as we follow Christ in these difficult times. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, as now, and ever shall be, in a world without end. Alleluia. Amen. Beloved, go forth this evening with this blessing that you may indeed experience what is going on around you in an honest way that it may take you to God, that you may find your comfort and your courage in God's redemptive acts of the past and all that he has completed for us in the present through his Son, Jesus Christ. Go with this blessing. Receive it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for being with us this evening. Uh, continue to watch uh, your email for different announcements as the session continues to make decisions. And please watch for that email as we will attempt, um, as I said earlier, um, a virtual prayer meeting. Um, this coming Wednesday evening. Be looking for that, uh, and we'll do our best uh, to see if we can continue to use technology to still somehow re remain connected together as we wait uh, for God to, to bring these things to an end and to bring us back together once again. The Lord be with you.